Welcome to the Revenue Builders Podcast with John McMahon and John Kaplan. This podcast is brought to you by Force Management. Force's solutions help companies, small teams, and individuals accelerate sales performance. It's all powered by their new online platform, Ascender. Today, we bring you a short segment on the passion of an entrepreneur. It's a conversation with experienced tech growth executive, Jim Baum. He has more than 25 years experience growing and managing cutting edge tech businesses. Jim was president and CEO of NetTeza, which he helped take public, driving a nearly $2 billion acquisition by IBM. He also led Endeka from a tiny startup to its acquisition by Oracle. He's on several boards, a senior lecturer at MIT Sloan School, and a trustee at Worcester Polytechnic Institute. A lot of credibility behind what he says. Here we go. You've had a tremendous amount of experience seeing great leadership and bad leadership, uh, marginal leadership over the course of your career. What are some of the things that really stand out to you as other leadership traits that um, that you saw really make a difference in, especially when it came to, you know, growing and scaling companies? Are there any that stand out to you? Yeah, I think there are a few things, you know, I, I, I will say, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of my career in earlier stage settings, you yeah. know, kind of um, series A investment and beyond. So sort of that just finding product market fit. I spent a lot of time there, especially, you know, later here in my career. Um, and I'll tell you, there's one thing that stands out that I'll point to that we haven't talked about. And, and I would say it's the, it's the belief of the leader, right? And, and, you know, the things that I've seen that have made early stage companies uh, survive, survive a lot of crap, right? A lot of challenges with, you know, missing quarters, you know, economic impact, competitive impact. Um, the the belief, the conviction, the strength of the founder or founders is just not to be underestimated as a force for building the company. Um, you know, one, I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples. You know, one example is a company that I was on the board of uh, several years ago, Boston-based company in the marketing technology space. And um, it wasn't going great. You know, they they had raised money. They had an interesting product. Felt like a nice to have, not a must have, right? Um, we had some customers. They loved us, but they didn't, you know, they, we didn't have a good upsell path. You know, a new customer acquisition was a challenge. Not a disaster, not going great. And we got a an inbound and and the company needed to raise money, right? And so we got an inbound acquisition offer that was um, also not great. You know, it was sort of okay, kind of face saving. You know, kind of hold your head high and exit the company, sort of an exit. And uh, without exception, every single one of us on the board told the founders, "You should take this deal. Like, we should do this. This makes sense, right?" But it, you know, and and this this is a credit to the investors that were there. Um, but it's up to you guys, right? You guys decide, but we think you should do this deal. And those guys, the, the two co-founders, they went away and they thought about it over the weekend and they came back on Monday and they said, 
we're not doing the deal. We're going to keep going. We're going to grow this. And everybody kind of took a deep breath and said, well, okay, you know, uh, we'll, we'll keep trying. <laughs> and those guys just powered through. I mean, they just got, I mean, they continued their passion, their belief, and um, they probably worked even harder. Ultimately, the company was sold to um, a very large uh, <laughs> marketing technology company um, for a huge return uh, on the initial investment. I mean, it just it was just an amazing transformation. And, and they were right. They just needed more time. You know, the market wasn't quite ready. The messaging wasn't quite right. And their perseverance carried it through, turned into a great return for the investors, a great return for the founders um, and a big win. And, and so I never underestimate that leadership characteristic. Right. It's so powerful. Right. Um yeah. Anyway, and there are others we can talk about as well. But that one, when you ask the question, those I, I have several examples like that in my head. Um, that one really stands out. You and see that a lot, though, just on the timing piece, not on the leadership piece, though, Jimmy. I've seen a lot of times where companies have a really good technology and they're just way too early to market. Yeah. 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 And they and then. And then sometimes the investors want to give up too soon, right? Yes, Which was great. the case here, right? Yeah, very much. So, Jim, as a board member, how do you? Because belief is a tough one, right? Because like sometimes it's blind passion, and sometimes it's you know it's it's conviction, kind of based on belief comes kind of like evidence in the purpose. I always thought that belief is like it comes from passion and passion comes from evidence in the purpose, in my opinion. And so how as a board member, do you, uh, do you roll with that? Like, I'm sure you've had other examples where people are just like, well, I believe, I believe, and they're just committed. And like, there's, it's not going to work out that their belief is, is not, is not based yeah. on evidence. I think as a board member, John, this is, you know, back to your initial comments and, and topics that we talked about. Um, this can also be a little bit of the curse of having a sort of technology perspective and background, yeah. right? It's easy to believe, right? Uh, you can convince yourself. And so, you know, in my case, as being, you know, someone who both looks through the lens of product and value creation and sort of that, that, that logic story, right? Like this makes sense. This should work. Right. Um, it, it's, it's sometimes easy to get caught up in the belief. So you do have to look for evidence and you do have to look for what are we going to do differently to make things turn around here in cases where it's not going well. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I have seen it, right. I've sat on boards uh, in one case in, in mind, another Boston based company. Um, I mean, we were working on, you know, I, I often use this terminology, you know, act two, right. So this company had grown up, it was a public company. It was doing it, it had done really well, but their market was getting harder. They needed to figure out other products to take to market where they could leverage their go-to-market channel and their customer base. And um, they created Act 2. We created Act 2. And Act 2 made a lot of sense 
right? Like it was so clear how we created value. It was tangible value. It was measurable. It showed up on the PL. There were reasons to spend money on this. And we just couldn't make it work. We just couldn't make it work, right? And I think that's an example where, um, you know, we, we, we didn't listen closely enough to the market signals that we were getting, right? And we couldn't explain why the dogs weren't eating this dog food, but they weren't. And we were so convinced that they would that we kept going, right? Ultimately, the company was sold, uh, was acquired um, in a reasonable outcome. But um, we we were, I, I guess some of it was uh, a bias in that it simply had to work, right? If it didn't work, the company was going to stop growing. Yeah. And there was belief uh, built out of need, <laughs> right? Yeah. Which uh, is also the wrong way to uh, to get there. But sometimes there's also a belief, Jim, maybe this might have been part of it, that an area that you don't really know about in the in a market seems a lot easier to crack than the market that you do know about. And sometimes people go down that road and then the longer they're down that road, they realize this road's even longer than we thought. And then yeah. sometimes they just run out of money just because they just can't get there in time. And some of that goes to a little bit of innocence and and lack of a true understanding or investigation of the marketplace is, is what I've yeah, seen. I think that's right. Yeah, I think that's right. You know, we, um, we teach entrepreneurship at the Sloan school, right? And if you sit through any of these, any of these courses uh, and you listen to what, what's talked about there, um, probably the number one topic is what we call primary market research. And it's something that nobody is good at, right? Unless they're in pre-revenue, just finding a customer base, right? Um, primary market research, who's your customer? You know, what's the buying process? How are they gonna buy? How will you create value for them? You know, why is that value differentiated? Um, and, you know, it's really hard to do because it requires that you go and you talk to customers, you talk to the market without the lens of your product offering, right? It's really understanding the customer's need and not tainting it with, you know, your view on the world, right? Um, and I think that's, um, to me, I think that's probably a great lesson that executives should take away who are in companies that are trying to figure out act two, right? Mm -hmm. um, because it's, it's the miss. It's, it's where people, it's exactly what you just said. They go down some go to market path. They think it's going to be easier because some institutional knowledge they have says it will be, but in reality, it's not, but it was a knowable unknown, right? They could have done the work to answer the question before they went and hired 40 salespeople to go and attack that market. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that's exactly right. So Jim on the, um, I've had the great fortune to be a guest of yours at MIT. Uh, I was just, I was, uh, really impressed with 
the people that were sitting in those chairs. I, I it's not that I wasn't planning to be impressed when I spoke to them, but I was really, really impressed with the um, just the intensity, the passion, the um, commitment to the openness to learning. Um, you're spending a lot of time with entrepreneurs. Um, you're doing it in the stage of investment that you're doing. You're also doing it at at uh, at MIT. Can you give us kind of some common characteristics of entrepreneurship? And like, there's a lot of listeners that are like, oh, I, you know, I, I'd love to go do that. I'd love to go be an entrepreneur or what have you. And I had, you know, a really kind of cool experience 22, 22 years ago of starting force management. But I got to tell you, it's like, it, it was a it was an incredible learning experience. Learned a lot about myself. Learned a lot about a, a lot of things. What are you seeing out there right now? Things that are standing out for you for entrepreneurship. What are some of the common characteristics of those that make it? Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you um, when I talk to when I talk to younger people about this and about um, their desire to be an entrepreneur because everybody seems to want to be an entrepreneur, right? Yeah. Um, there's some cachet that comes with it, I guess. Um, there's some, some stature that comes with it. People think maybe there's some money that comes with it. Um, and there can be for sure. Um, but those can't be the reasons that you do it. And I spend, um, you know, the first 30 minutes of any conversation with somebody or with a group of people about this, basically trying to talk them out of it by explaining. And, you know, I mean, you went through it starting force management by explaining how hard it is, by explaining the weight of the obligation that you take on when you hire someone and you have mm -hmm. to make payroll and pay them. You know, their family is dependent on it. You know, their their kids education is dependent on it. The weight that you take on your shoulders when you take money from an investor, right, that you have in good faith taken their money and they are expecting you and you have accepted that expectation that you're going to create a return for them. Right. I mean, that's a huge obligation. Um, you know, not to mention the burden on your personal life on your, you know, work life balance. If you think that way, um, it's intense, it's intense and, and it may not work. In fact, chances are it won't. Right. And so, um, I really think that it takes a pretty special kind of mindset, um, to be successful as an entrepreneur. Um, and I think that mindset is one of, uh, and we talked about it a little bit, but it's, it's one of perseverance. It's one of uh, deep belief. I'm on the board of a company right now and the founder, the company's going well, the market has changed for raising capital. And this guy was just approached by a, a venture capitalist whose offer he turned down four months ago. And they approached him with a lower offer and basically said, hey, you screwed up. You know, you should take this offer. This is a good deal, you know, in this market. And he just said, no, 
just said, absolutely no, we're building a better company than that. This is a bigger story than that. This is more important than that. And there's an awful lot in that sort of sheer force of will that, you know, this entrepreneur brings to it. I think you have to be really smart. You have to be really ready to dig into the details. You know, it's like we talked about these, these, uh, this growth through the management ranks idea, right? When you're starting a company, you're that, you're that frontline manager, right? You're that person, right? Everything rolls up to you. And you've got to build a team, inspire a team, have a great idea, find a customer, figure out how you create value for that customer, figure out how to repeatedly take that product to market for that customer, create a culture in your company that's a one of success where people can feel successful and grow and feel like they're contributing and create that, you know, sort of dynamic growth environment. There's so much to do, right? And these entrepreneurs, they they have the the smarts, the drive, and maybe just enough of the craziness to make it happen. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out the full episode with Jim Baum linked in the show notes. Make it a great week.